You're listening to a Skewed Orbit original podcast. Welcome, welcome back to the Rachel LaForce Show. That's right, it's me, Rachel LaForce, and this is my show. This is a spiritual podcast from me, a comedian for people who aren't spiritual. What do I mean when I say that? There's so many people within like the new age and spiritual fields and everybody's just healing chakras and generational trauma and they, you know, we are the survivors of the witches that you couldn't burn and all the things. I'm here for all of it. Okay. No judgment, just jokes, but hear me out. I also, my biggest thing and what I feel like I wanted to see more of, you know, and it's always like make the art that you wish existed. So I'm not saying like no one else is doing this, but how can we offer practical tools in the modern world for people who are really busy or maybe you're not somebody who's interested in knowing all about your past lives and you, you know, don't want to get your aura photographed and you, you know, but you want to have a sense of autonomy. You want to build your self-worth and all these things are important to you. I want to be able to offer that to you in a way that feels like digestible and relatable So spiritual layman's terms. Do you understand? That's what we're here to do. (sighs) Season three, we're into it. This is the second episode of season three. We're going to be talking about my sobriety journey. Sobriety journey. I just hit five years sober, which is just wild. Absolutely wild. And I had so many people reach out to me being like, I want to talk to you about that or I want to hear more about that. And what was that like for you? And, you know, if I can, if I can start out by calling you out in the very beginning of the episode, which is like, if you're reaching out to me because you want to hear about my experience, chances are you're probably not super comfortable with your relationship with alcohol right now. Can I say that? I'm not going to label you in any way, but if you're reaching out to be like, kind of curious what your experience was like, my guess is you're not super stoked on your relationship with booze at the moment, which is totally fine. And I think that's also the other thing because, I mean, yes, now there's the whole like sober curious movement and we're like talking more and more about it. And, you know, everyone's like, I did dry January, you know, and I just have like so much more energy now and you know, whatever, sober October, all those things. But the biggest issue, I think, or thing that I noticed, which is like, we have no balance with alcohol in our society. Like there's no, like I even realized that I went, um, a lot of times I take myself out to lunch and that's when I edit my podcasts, uh, mostly so I can like write off lunch and then also get out of the house. Uh, so feel free to, uh, steal that fun, um, business idea. So that's what I do. And I'm sitting there and I notice like, Almost everyone around me had ordered multiple drinks, which again, not a judgment, but like Tuesday, like one in the afternoon. Where are we at as a society? 
to where at Tuesday in the afternoon, you need a couple of cocktails to even out. Like there is no judgment about you. I mean, it's like talking about sobriety and the idea of alcohol and it's almost like fusion to especially like American culture. There's, we can't talk about our personal experiences without talking about how inundated we are with it. Where that was the other thing, like it was totally normal and acceptable for all of these people to do that. Now, if we wanted to switch that out and everybody like, you know, had a hit or two of cannabis, everybody would be like, okay, potheads. Like the conversation would be vastly different. So that's what I mean where it's like social, so socially acceptable that people are going out to lunch on business meetings with other people that they're working with being like totally soups normal to just throw back two shards right now, you know, or Moscow mules, whatever. And I, um, just got like very specific about these people's order. Um, just the, the rest of the podcast is me just like naming different types of alcohol. Um, sidebar. Did you guys see there was like an article that came out that Fireball's being sued because there's literally zero alcohol in their mini bottles? Eighth graders everywhere are just losing their mind. They're like, I knew you weren't really drunk. You know, anyway, that's, that's a bit just for me. That's a bit just for me. So that was what my takeaway was from going out to eat at lunch and realizing how much people were drinking. And maybe your perspective is like, well, Rachel, two drinks at lunch is not a big deal. And to me, it's not a judgment. I'm just making these observations, which is like, of course, those of us that felt or feel uncomfortable with our relationship with alcohol, it's bigger than you. And that's not to say that it's like our like our drinking and our consumption is our responsibility, point blank. But there is something to be said for being in a culture that infuses drinking into everything. Getting your nails done, would you like a mimosa? You know, getting a facial, would you like a mimosa? You know, oh, you're a mom. Do you want some wine? Wine time. You know, mommy's wine too. Like, it's everywhere. Go to a sports game. You want to drink? Being in a sports game, we're going to drink. Like, sports game, beer pong. Like, it's, you know, going a bachelor weekend, a bachelorette weekend. Like, we're all going to get hammered. There's, and I'm not saying that like booze also in moderation can't be a blast and a half. Like I always tell people too, I think I don't identify as an alcoholic according to AA, right? Which I'll get into that. I I haven't participated in the program, uh, not for any other reason than I think um, I'm very aware of the program. I've spent a lot of time in Al-Anon because I have a lot of addicts and alcoholics in my family and friends and things like that. So a lot of those tools, the camaraderie, the a lot of that I was able to find and support myself other places. So I think the program is phenomenal for so many people, obviously. Hot take. <laughs> Hot take. The program works. Um, so I think that's obviously available to people. That just was not how I identified. I, I was really realizing like, oh, I have something that like wants to come up and clearly my way of not addressing it is just like getting drunk, <laughs> like binge drinking, drinking all the time. And a lot of it was also like everything was just going so fast. Like like life is just moving so fast and faster and faster. And faster. Like there's not a lot of times that we get to have that 
personal pause button and be like, hold on, what the fuck? <laughs> Slow down. Uh, what do I want to do? What do I like? My life just began to, it just felt like I'd gotten on this train and like a one way ticket. And it was like, this is what you're doing. And then there was just no slowing down. There was no stopping. It was just, you know, like a Denzel Washington runaway train movie. Like we were just like, just going, you know? And I'm like, mama's got to get off this train. Uh, another great movie, throw mama from a train, just all train movies. So that was a lot of my experience. And a lot of what was difficult for me about my drinking was that it didn't seem like too much to everyone else around me. Meaning, so let me back up. When you tell people you don't drink, everyone's like, oh, really? What happened? Occasionally, people have been to enough therapy that they have boundaries and they're just like, oh, okay. And like, that's it, which like, God bless all of those people. Just chef's kiss all around for you, the seven of you out there. And it's understandably so. I mean, it is somewhat titillating and we all have our own relationships to alcohol and what happened, right? We've all seen intervention. So we really want to know, you know, like what what happened? What was your fall from grace? And I, I post about this on Instagram. It's like sometimes I will like just like make up a story because I'm like, okay, Donna, we got to move on. Uh, and I almost wish, not really, but like, I almost wish there was more of like a real true, like this was my rock bottom, you know? Well, well, even all things considered, mine, it was still uh, a pretty like brutal, <laughs> uh, that runaway train uh, finally made it into the station. And uh, what a sad state of affairs. But I think a lot of the reason why I kept drinking for as long as I did in the way that I did was that it wasn't abnormal to anyone else around me. And I had this feeling of like, well, certainly if my drinking is out of control, then like someone would say something, right? Like my family would say something or my friends would say something or my boyfriend would say something. And I think that was also like my intuition trying to talk to me and being like, girl, just because it works for everybody else doesn't mean that it has to work for you you know, you want to do something else. We're trying to like share something with you and you're just so booze soaked all the time. Like it's not coming through because I do believe, you know, everyone has a different capacity for alcohol and how they want it in their life. And I, yeah, so I, I just had this feeling like, well, certainly if, if my drinking was a problem, then someone would say something, right? Like that was kind of my feeling and I mean, when I look back, my drinking definitely escalated. So, and also I've been a comedian my entire adult life. Like if you get paid in drink tickets, like I had no, like, uh, you know what I mean? There was no, like the normalcy of booze and what I did or so it was like being a dentist and being like, oh, I'm looking at teeth today. Like, yeah, of course you're a dentist. So it felt the same way where it was like, it took me a while to figure out like, oh, I, just because like this is what's being offered to me doesn't mean that I have to do it. And also, you know, when you're in your early 20s and even late 20s and everyone's drinking, it is normal. Everyone's getting drunk. It is normal. 
you live in Chicago where everyone's hammered, you know, shout out Chicago. Like I was also one of the most like booze filled cities, you know, of all, it wasn't like LA where like, I mean, people still get down in LA, but there's a lot of like responsible drinking that happens, you know, like bars actually close like Chicago. You want to drink all night long? Like girl, we got you, you know? Um, like totally normal to go to a bar until 5am. Like what? So all of those factors made it very difficult for me as an insecure artist to be like, oh, maybe I'm no longer comfortable with my drinking. So I had had the voice in the back of my head being like, we're not okay with this for a long time. Like I'm talking from like, 21 I quit drinking at 30 31 it's a long time I just need to let that sink in I've never said that out loud before um so just realizing that's how long I was aware that I wasn't comfortable with my drinking is really unsettling but that's the other thing it's not like I was like losing my phone all the time or like leaving my card at bars and like drinking and driving. Like I, what there, there, it was responsible quote unquote enough. It was, you know, the high functioning alcoholic enough to where I guess nobody noticed. And so there was a lot of like suffering and silence, I think where I was just like, oh, I'm not comfortable with this. But I also didn't know, I didn't have any tools yet, you know? And some of that I've just had to kind of like forgive and let go, which is like, dude, you were in your 20s. Like you were doing the best you can. Like how many of us, like whether it's booze or otherwise, are like, yeah, really, there's a handful of things wish I could go back and hit, you know, control, alt, delete on. But still the awareness was there, which is why I say like folks that reach out or if you're like thinking about your drinking, like if you're even thinking about it, like just own it and be like, yeah, I don't like, you don't have to quit forever. Like that's the other thing. Like we have these, even with like the dry January that it has to become this like theme, you know, thing like you're throwing a Delta, Delta, Delta party or something. Like here's the theme for the month. Like you can also just be like, Hey, I want to like grab a pen and paper and not drink for a couple days and every time I think about drinking, write down what I'm thinking and feeling. Like I just want to do a little bit of like a field test to see what is this like, what's teaching, you know, like what what wants to be in its place, if that makes sense. Like what wants to come up for me. And sometimes it's as simple as like you just kind of want to give your body a break to dry out a little bit. And be able to reconfigure how you want to do it. I mean, people do that with their body all the time. I'm not saying like I'm, you know, here for cleanses or anything, but I'm just saying like there's so many times we recalibrate our body when it comes to exercise, movement, food, dairy. I mean, all of the things. And yet with booze, we're like, nope, just full steam ahead. You know, like you're welcome at any time just to do something different and you don't owe anyone anything. And even if you don't want to get into it with people, like do the old like, oh, I'm on antibiotics right now and can't drink with them. Like, 
you know, who's going to follow up and be like, oh, antibiotics, like what, like boring, you know, like don't be friends with that person. He's like, tell me more about your antibiotics. Um, but there's just a lot of ways, you know, or like, oh, I've got an early meeting in the morning, whatever it is, like just lie. You don't, you don't have to tell me for the, when I, we'll get into this. When I first quit drinking, I had no intention. I wasn't like, I'm getting sober. No. I was just like, I'm not going to drink for a little bit because I want to work through this breakup differently. And that was only because I had to live with the person for 50 days. Okay. So, you know, after 50 days of being sober, you're kind of like, oh, shit. Like, there's like a lot of stuff that like comes up that you can't ignore anymore, you know? So, excuse me, that's always my joke where I'm like, yeah, I got sober on accident, you know? I didn't mean for this to happen, you know? Like, this was not what I thought five years from now, from then, was going to look like, you know? Like, I was just like, oh, I'm going to just dry it out a little bit and figure this out. So, a lot of what my personal journey from, you know, getting to the place, like I said, there was 10 years of knowing that I needed to quit versus when I actually dried out for a little bit. And also keep in mind along the way, I've done like multiple interventions with people. I had like a very significant relationship in my life that like, he left and went to rehab. Like I was like very much a part of that relationship for a very long time. Like we're still good friends. Like like it it wasn't like I wasn't familiar with any of these things, you know? Like that's the other interesting part, which was it wasn't like I didn't have access to this information or I didn't know that there's alcoholics in my family or I didn't know that I was in like emotional pain. So I think that's just kind of the grace part of it too, right? Where it's that, you know, you're not ready till you're ready and whatever that means to you. I'm ready to do anything, whether it's like quit drinking, quit your job, leave your marriage, you know, get married, uh, settle down, like whatever it is, like you're not ready till you're ready. You can have that voice in the back of your head forever. People die with that voice in the back of their head being like, Bob, you got to do something different, you know? And that's your choice. I think I just finally got to the point where I was like, I don't want this to be my choice anymore. Which is that thing of like, be careful what you wish for because now this is my life. And I'm not saying it's bad. This is beautiful. I love my life. I'm reporting live uh, from, this was my, now our studio. This was my high school bedroom, you know, uh, like literally took over the house that I grew up in you know, been renovating it and I feel more grounded than ever. I've got a 19-month-old. I'm pregnant. My husband and I have a flourishing business. I just created a, a new um, business all on my own. That's just like, you know, anyway, that's all my own things. But I'm just saying, I just rattle off the rest of my resume. Um, the point is where like five years ago, I still thought I was like, oh, maybe I'll just like get sober and then I'll get better at comedy and then I'll stay in LA and I'll be this touring comic. Like I didn't know, oh, at least for me, this was just my experience of like, you know, you move one puzzle piece out of the way, like you're looking at a whole new landscape, you know, like you're not going to make the same puzzle. It's going to be a new thing now. And I think that's often a lot of our subconscious fear, 
if I choose to walk into the lion's den and look at this shit that I don't want to look at or feel these things that I don't want to feel or even just fuck slow down for a minute, step out of these relationships with people that I've been friends with forever who like, frankly, I know in the back of my mind, I don't like. Maybe I've never liked them or maybe I don't like them anymore. Like these are not easy things. I mean, I think that's also, you know, like I said at the top of this episode where I was like, you know, everything that I, I want to do with my voice and with my work and with my career now is grounding these things that are like healing and all these other things where it's like, great, if you want to go to a, you know, a healing circle with a bunch of women and everyone's menstruating and whatever, like, yes, there's power to that. But to me, the true power is like, until we begin to shift as a society, like we're all just in our own boats. And it doesn't need to be that way. It doesn't have to be a giant kumbaya. But the fact that like, you know, we still view choosing to self-heal. I mean, and the narrative is changing a lot. It certainly is. But like healing is still seen as this like soft thing when like, dude, choosing to get sober or choosing to leave a marriage or choosing to be like, I actually want to settle down or whatever those massive shifts are for you are fucking brutal. And anybody who tells you otherwise or calls you soft or, you know, oh, you're, I saw you in the self-help section or whatever, like, dude, fucking kick rocks, bro. Like, this is not for the faint of heart is what I'm telling you. You know, when people are like, tell me about, you know, your healing journey, I want to be like, yeah, have you ever heard of something called the dark night of the soul? Like, it was fucking brutal. And that's the other part of this that's been so interesting of like, you know, the the kind of like five year look back, which is like, it's so easy for me now. Well, actually, it's not. It's still a lot of like putting myself out there and owning my thoughts and feelings and hashtag content and whatever. But it is, it's so much easier now to be like, have self-worth, like vote, you know, have value in yourself and all these things that I'm sharing on Instagram. And I don't mean to make light of them, but it's like, it's easy now to be on that side and sharing those things that I forget that the journey to get to where I am now to be able to share shit like that was not easy. I mean, there were some really hard, hard, dark days, you know, where and that's not me, you know, where people are like, oh my God, like what was really going on? And again, there, there's no like, first of all, it's not the trauma Olympics. We don't have, you don't have to compare your trauma to everybody else's. But if you are a grown adult in the world, you have experienced trauma, period. It doesn't matter. You don't have to justify it to anybody. Like this is the human condition and the human experience. And as I believe, as I see it, you know, it's like we're all here for different reasons to learn and to grow. And I also believe that we're here to learn and to grow in order to take those lessons learned and share them with people so that we're helping heal each other. Like I was thinking about that the other day where I was like, you know, I've been really putting a lot of effort into like growing these platforms and really like having ownership over that of like, yeah, I don't want to just kind of like do this. It's like, oh, cute. LaForce is doing this thing. Like, no, I want to make like a giant impact. Like I want this to go to a all of the places it's supposed to, but also like, yeah, I want it to be a massive success and whatever that means. Right. And the reason I do is I'm like, then otherwise, what's the point, <laughs> you know? But the reason I share all that is where I was like, it's amazing. It's like my, my pain produced that. 
Like me choosing to be hashtag brave enough to be like, yeah, here's like shit that I went through and that's like sad and doesn't make me feel great. And here's my shame. And here's what I, and like sharing it. It's like, that's what's created this. That's hilarious. And that's why when people are like, how do you do both like spiritual speaking, but then like you're also a comic. I'm like, how could you possibly be in spirituality and also not want to be in comedy? You know what I mean? We have enough comedians. You don't need to sign up for an open mic night. This is not like a call for more comics. But the point is where I'm like, there's no other way that I could possibly have gone through this journey and then not see things through both lenses. Because it is, it's hilarious. It is absolutely hilarious that everything that is going to come from more and more of these conversations, more and more podcasts, more and more, whatever it is, it all stems from pain. It all stems from this five-year journey. That's not to say that I don't have more to experience, more to grow, uh, you know, more very trying times. I mean, I'm going to have two teenage boys at some point in my life, God willing. That's not going to be easy, you know? So it's like, of course, there's going to be more that I experience, but I, I definitely feel like the launch pad, if you will, of the rest of my life stem from what I've learned about myself over the past five years. So I, um, I'm just going to share this list with you that if you follow me, if you follow me on the gram, uh, you have read presumably, uh, but I will share it here. Uh, and it just kind of encapsulates a lot of what this journey was like for me. And then I'll kind of break down a little bit more of what happened. So this is uh, five things I've learned from five years sober. So this is kind of what I was just talking about. Number one, your pain is here to free you, not to persecute you. And this is what I wrote. 50 days into sobriety, I broke. Like that heart wide the fuck open, listen to the chicks on repeat broke. I saw images of being bullied, abandoned, Things that I had shoved down for so long just slowly flowed up like a movie about my shame directed by Greta Gerwig. I questioned how I could ever come to terms with all of it. In time, I would learn little by little, day by day, I came to accept my pain. I began to learn new ways of coping and that the pain I had been ignoring wasn't here to keep me sick, ashamed, and small. It was here to free me, to liberate me, and push me towards my wildest dreams. Oh, so what a poet, huh? Number two, sobriety isn't about not drinking. Okay, I kind of touched on this. Everyone wants a story. Oh, you don't drink? What happened? Sometimes I make something up just to give them what they really want. High drama. In reality, booze had very little to do with my serial self-betrayal. Booze was the symptom, not the root. Anything could be the symptom of our pain. Food, exercise, sex, relationships, money, success, anything that drowns us out. We all hide from ourselves. Some of us just do it in less overtly destructive ways. So no, I'm not tempted to drink if you're drinking. I'm good, Donna. So, you know, that one for me it is that where it's like, when people are like, oh, I'm thinking about quitting drinking and I'm like, which is great, but also like be mindful because booze isn't the problem. That's not, you don't have a problem 
with booze. <laughs> okay. You may have a problem with a lot of other things in your life, your environment, your soul, your community, you know, like how can she count the ways? You know what I mean? So, and maybe booze isn't the thing for you. You know, it's success, it's sex, it's money, it's shopping. Like there's just so many ways that we, you know, push ourselves in other ways and and especially ones that are seemingly more like like money, shopping, things like that. It's we make light of it. You know, it's like, oh, like I'm a workaholic. I'm a workaholic. You know, oh my God. Oh, I'm a perfectionist. Like all of those things are still the same. Why? What are you running from? What are you scared of? Because I guarantee you, you can still slow down long enough to achieve all of the things that you genuinely want to achieve and also tend to yourself, right? Number three, people you never thought you could live without, you in fact can and like be better for it. Buckle up for this one. Chances are if you're hiding from yourself, you're probably hiding in shitty relationships too. And not all shitty relationships are bad, quote, all of the time. That's where we Jedi mind trick ourselves into staying in patterns with people that aren't serving us other than to keep us small. The more you, quote, heal, the more you will accept yourself. The more you begin to love yourself, the more you will hunger for folks who love and accept you too. And the folks who gave you crumbs when you needed a meal will no longer have a seat at your table. When I chose five years ago that I was going to quit drinking for a little bit, I never would have imagined the amount of people that just straight up drop like motherfucking flies. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like we think when we're in this place of like, oh, I'm going to quit this thing. We think we're releasing this idea. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, like what am I going to go to a bar and just get a soda water? Like that, those were the things I was thinking. I was not even remotely on my radar how much, if I truly committed as I have, how much things were going to shift, change and lock in so much for me that there's no way that anything that's, you know, hashtag inauthentic, like inauthentic could possibly survive. I mean, you're literally changing the soil of your, oh my God, I can't even, I can't even make this shit up. You're literally changing the soil of your life. Do you know what I mean? Meaning like if you've had certain things planted in a garden, but then you move that garden and you put new soil in, you can't actually, you, you could try to, you know, have a crop of the same thing. It's not going to work. Or, you know, new location, new environment, you got new soil on the ground. You're making new shit. That's the exact same thing. What a weird analogy, but it works. You know, it's it's the exact same thing where it was like things became for the first time so real for me that I, I couldn't do it anymore with so many people in my life. I mean, some people that I grieved for years of, of letting go of or feeling guilty or, you know, shame or, or whatever, like it's not easy especially when you feel misunderstood because, you know, when we have, this is not like new information, it's recycled, you know, but like 
when we have relationship contracts, unspoken relationship contracts with people, which is why now when I make new relationships with people, I love all of my new friends and new community because I'm operating as Rachel now. So if I'm engaging with somebody and let's say it took me a couple days to text you back and if your response is like, oh yeah, nice of you to text me back, I'm going to let you know, right? Hey, I have a very full life. I would love for you to be a part of it. But if you need me to text you back immediately when you text me, I'm just going to let you know this friendship may not be for you. Like I'm going to let you know in the moment, right? So I can set the boundaries of a relationship. I can let people know who I am now as Rachel and show up in those relationships. When you have had old relationship contracts that you've had, I mean, sometimes with people since you were 14, 15 years old, and now you want to adjust that contract. Yeah, the dramatic pause was just to remind you, spoiler, most people are not okay with that. Because typically, whatever the relationship contract is, it was working for those folks. Your codependency, your need, your people-pleasing, your you know passive, whatever it was, it was working for them. So when you come in and now you're going, hey, you know what, the way you've been doing things, it's not working for me anymore. People don't like that. They don't like that, okay? So that was a really big one. Number four, you actually can live your best life. Five years ago, I made a list of what I really wanted in my life. And some things have changed from that original list, but I've slowly lived my way here. Like I said, my original, you know, list before I share the rest of what's on here, you know, I had had things like, oh, I'm going to get my, you know, kids television show developed. I'm going to, you know, buy a white Tesla. Like I had had, you know, all of these things where, which like both of those I'm, I'm still here for. I, I still have the pitch deck that I occasionally uh, pitch from that show and uh, still would love a Tesla. But I'm just saying the depth of those things that I thought I wanted or I was manifesting or whatever would very slowly change into the things that actually not only do I want, but are in alignment with my purpose and what I should be doing. But here we go. I'm going to say that again. Five years ago, I made a list of what I really wanted in my life. Some things that have changed from that original list, but I've slowly lived here. I'm a homeowner. I have a six-figure creative production business with my very funny and handsome husband. I have a curious, curly-haired son who looks just like him and another son on the way. I recently created Channel 18 in honor of the year that I shifted my frequency and changed my life. Uh, Channel uh, Channel 18 will continue to grow into a full-spectrum media brand, creating work for creators and comedians rooted in, and I quote, conscious entertainment. I am fully creatively fulfilled and really looking forward to touring live comedy again for the coming years. So, you know, you got to, when you really go in and you have this, you know, if you're familiar with tarot, you know, like the tower card where everything does just kind of all fall away you have to rebuild it. You have to rebuild a foundation. And had I known five years ago in the bedroom when I wrote those original goals on my mirrored uh, closet doors in Hollywood, if I would have known that it was going to take me five years just to get to the place where it's like, okay, your firm foundation is underneath you. Now let's go get those big things. I would have been like, five years? Are you fucking kidding me? Five years? Like, I'd be like, what? I mean, 
that's the other thing as far as like really making radical change, truly working through things, not like bypassing and, you know, but really, really doing the work takes time. I mean, I had to radically, like my finances were all over the place. I was broke as shit, like working, you know, a bunch of odd jobs, bouncing around, getting drunk, like there's no foundation there. I, I have to learn, like there was just so many basic things that I had to learn. You know, like I tell you all the time, like, you know, everyone who's like, oh, I'm going to manifest $100,000. I'm like, can you manage 10000 You know, like if you don't know how much money's in your bank account right now, it doesn't matter how much money's in that bank account. You, you're not in a position or in a place where you're like ready to bring in more money. You know, if you've only been dating people that are, you know, emotionally unavailable or whatever, like you got to figure out why that is. You're not going to be able to call in somebody who's going to meet all of your other needs because they're going to show up and then you're going to go, no, thanks, loser. You know, you have to, there are so many processes in this. So it's not that I share all of that of like, well, don't change, but it is, I, I do like to offer people like if you genuinely want to change your life and live your hashtag best life, you absolutely fucking can. Like, in fact, it's like totally accessible. The question is really, are you willing to work for it? Are you willing to stay in it on the days that it's not fun? I mean, that happens all the time when I, you know, the... um my business with my husband and people are like, oh, I want to have the number one podcast or I want to do this or I want to do that. I'm like, great. Yeah, you and everybody else. I'm not saying you can't do it. You absolutely can. Of course you can. You can do anything you want. I really believe that. Now, again, based on our, you know, privilege, our resources, et cetera, it's going to be harder. A lot of people are going to have a lot more steps, right? But I do believe that anything is possible. But it's also you know, people come in with these, you know, rose colored glasses thinking that things are going to be one way, you know, like for me, or I was like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to get a Tesla and I'm going to sell this show. Or I was like, nah, bitch, (laughs) like you are going to struggle. Okay. You're going to work in many more bars before you don't work in bars again. And, you know, like you're going to have to sell your car. You got to, you know, like all of the things that I had to do and cut out in order to even get any sort of financial, you know, stability underneath me. Now you got to learn about finances. Then you got to honor your money, you know. Then you have to have enough self-worth to put yourself out there to try to get people to want to hire you for things. You know, you got to get clarity on what do you want to do. You got to get clarity on the fact that like maybe it isn't your dream to be in a writer's room for 12 hours a day, you know. Like you, what is it that you really want to do? Do you want to work for somebody else? Do you want to work for yourself? You have to ask yourself to really, truly get aligned to live that hashtag best life. You have to get brutally honest. And then you have to accept whatever answers come up. So, you know, I know that you didn't know there was going to be so many fun jokes in this episode. Uh, You're listening to it being like, well, cool, I'm going to drive off a cliff now. Thanks, LaForce. All right. And this brings us to the next point, which is number five. Living your best life doesn't mean that you can stop doing, and I quote, the work. It requires a new level of work. I said, and number five brings us to where I'm at. Our best looks different for a myriad of reasons, interests, goals, privilege, resources, etc. In order to maintain our best life, to grow, to expand, life will require a new level of internal work. It will require we deepen our capacity to be courageous and sometimes uncomfortable. 
It requires discipline rooted in self-love. It requires the acknowledgement of rest, of knowing when to pivot. Living your dreams will always require a new version of you. Living your dreams doesn't mean that your life is void of stress, triggers, and pain. I'm going to say that one again. <laughs> Living your dreams doesn't mean your life is void of stress, triggers, and pain. It means you have new ways of coping that allow you to move through unpleasant states of being and thrive anyway. And nothing has been more true than that's what my experience has been the whole last year. I mean, choosing to leave LA, I shared this, you know, in the last episode with Remington where it was like, was one of, I mean, I almost felt like I was in like a relationship with LA and it was like, you know, we're like a marriage. I never imagined that I was going to leave LA. That's where I was going to make all of my dreams come true. That's where I was going to live out, you know, my fantasies since I was five years old. I was going to win Emmys. I was going to, I'm not blocking those blessings. Those, those still could happen. You know what I mean? But the way in which I thought it was all going to happen was from that place. It took me two years to, to honestly like have the guts to go, I don't think I'm supposed to do it this way and release what I thought was supposed to be and accept what feels the most aligned and trust if I keep doing the things I know I'm supposed to be doing, you know, like just keep swimming, just keep swimming one foot in front of the other, that I'm going to get to whatever the thing is, whether it ends up being an Emmy or it ends up being, you know, a Netflix special, or maybe it's like, whoa, you created Channel 18, you created this whole new thing. Or maybe it's as simple as like, you settled down and you were surrounded by family and that was enough for you and you, you know, cultivated a, a small audience that was engaged. Maybe that's it. And maybe that's enough too. I don't know because I have no expectations anymore other than I know I want to make an impact by being as truthful as I can. That's it. So, you know, the last year of choosing to leave there, then we, you know, packed up our entire lives, our, you know, essentially infant business, our actual infant, moved here, bought my mom's house, had been, you know, saved up a bunch of money and then had been renovating it for six months. I'm pregnant where, you know, we have our son at home with us. We, you know, certainly have the resources of family around, which has been a game changer. But it has been constant communication between me and my husband of like, you know, kind of the question is like, who's more burnt out right now? <laughs> like, who needs the night off? Who needs an hour to go to the gym? I mean, we are both, this is not like, oh, look at how hard we work. That's not, that's not what any of this is. It's just me authentically sharing of like, you know, as beautiful and wonderful as everything in my life is, I never would have been able to handle this level of stress five years ago. Five years ago, I got a flat tire and you, you know, I, like, I would lose it. I would absolutely lose it. It's like, what do you mean you got a flat tire? Call AAA, fix it, and then you go back to work. What are you talking about? You know, but any small thing, like I just had no capacity or emotional regulation to handle anything. And everything felt like it was happening to me. It wasn't happening to me. First of all, it was happening for me because the universe was like, ha wake the fuck up. Um, so maybe in some ways it was happening to me. But, you know, it was like just life shit. Yeah, life shit sucks. Paying taxes sucks. They, they are stealing our money, okay? Hi, IRS. Uh, you know, it, like there are so many things in life that are just not fair. But if you want to just chew on every single thing that's not fair, you're going to wear yourself out. And, you know, even 
beautiful things are stressful. Renovating your house. I'm so grateful that we have the financial means to do so and create this beautiful home that we can nest in and et cetera. It's been so difficult. I got people in my house. I had no idea that I was signing up for, you know, basically like a a part-time job for six months. I didn't know that at the beginning of this, you know? And so it's like, I've just chosen to see it where everyone's like, I don't know how you've managed to do this. And I, you know, it's kind of my joke, but it's also the truth, which I'm like, I use 2022 as a way to deepen my capacity to handle stress. I use it as a way to deepen my capacity to become a leader. If I want to be, you know, if I want all of these dreams to come true and manifest themselves and create this impact, people are going to need you. Rachel, you got to go to this thing. Oh, hey, we need your approval on this thing. Hey, we, I'm going to be pulled in a lot of different directions and I can't let my head fall off. So I have the opportunity, I've had the opportunity this last year of how many of your tools can you rely on in, you know, hashtag stressful times in order to get to the other side. So I just share all of that because I think there's so many coaches out there and spiritual teachers and white women, uh, you know, that are, and I'm not, I know I'm, I'm a white person. I am a white woman. Um, but there's so many of us out there that are portraying this thing of like, if you, you know, only do this thing, then you're going to look like this or you're going to feel this way. And it's like, it's, it's false. Life does not get easier. You just get better at learning how to navigate it, you know, and quitting booze was the one thing that gave me the opportunity to really live my life. You know, um, I know I didn't share a ton about the actual like quitting of alcohol. Uh, I've talked a lot about that in early, uh, early season one. So you can go back and listen to all those stories, but I'll, I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version, which was I was living in an apartment in uh, Hollywood with a friend of mine who's also a very funny comic and healer, actually. Uh, shout out to Sarah Shook. Go to Sarah Shook Heals or Sarah Shook Healing.com. Google it uh, and get a session with her. She's phenomenal. And um, I moved out to live with somebody that I've been dating for a short amount of time. And it was wrong from the very beginning and nothing wrong with him. It just was not where I was supposed to be. And shocker, I came home one day and he was like, uh, I don't want to do this anymore. And uh, then for reasons, we had to live together for 50 days, 50 days, five zero. So, I mean, I was not eating at all at this point. My anxiety was so bad. This was even before we broke up because I knew that it was coming. I knew you know, again, your body wants to give you all of the signals that maybe your mind is, you know, our minds are so good. It's almost like, you know, if somebody gives you a gift and it's like super small, but they wrap it in another box, another box, another box, another box so underneath the tree, it looks like you're going to open a huge box. That's what our mind does. It can warp anything. We can convince ourselves of any story. It's actually quite impressive, to be honest, um, the amount of denial that we can put ourselves in. But your body doesn't play those games. Your body will send you every bell, whistle, everything. So at this point, I was not even eating. But then everybody's just telling me how incredible I looked, which that's also confusing because inside my body felt like it was eroding. 
I'm not eating. I'm so anxious. I can't sleep at night. My body's vibrating. My nervous system was just about spent. But everyone's like, oh my God, girl, you look so skinny. Just, uh, you know, an episode for a different day. And um, so, and just chain smoking American spirits. Wow, just so many American spirits. And so I was sitting on our front deck post breakup and I um, was like, you know what? I want to do this a different way. And it was one of those things like it really, you'll, you'll hear people in meetings or other people that get sober and they tell you where it's like, it's just this clarity that comes over you. It's a, you can't ask for it. You can't pray for it and, and you can't pay for it. I mean, it's something that just comes through. And I was like, I want to feel this this time. And I want to do it a different way. Now, I thought I meant I just want to feel this breakup and do it the right way. I didn't know I was going to have this onslaught of the last five years. So again, be careful what you wish for. Um, but that was where it started. And I just thought, oh, I just wasn't going to drink for the duration of being in the house with my ex at the time. Because I was like, you know, it doesn't need to be dramatic. I don't want to like come home drunk or something and start a fight or whatever. So like, I'm just not going to drink while I'm here. Well, again, after not drinking for 50 days, the dam breaks. And the night before we moved out, I I literally broke. I mean, I, 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 I think I cried. I mean, like a deep, deep, soulful, like, I didn't even almost know what I was crying about. And it started at about six o'clock. And I think it finally let up about 5.30, 6 a.m. The whole night. And I'm not kidding where it was like all of these, like I didn't even, it wasn't even cognitive. It was almost just like images of things that I had ignored or didn't want to pay attention to or just all of these things were just coming up at a rate where I was like, I have no idea how I'll ever even be able to process all of this, you know? And then I moved into a new place and my roommate and I had a very problematic relationship at the time. And then my apartment caught on fire, like just so many things. So again, go and listen to, I think it was like the the first couple episodes when I talk about why I started the Rachel LaFour show. And I will give you the very comedic fun version of why I got sober. So Go and listen to that. I highly, highly recommend it. I really just kind of wanted to focus this hour about where I am now and what that process was like. Um, and obviously, I'm always talking about these different lessons learned and things because it's just kind of a part of me now and a part of the things that I share. So um, I also may, I've uh, been thrown around the idea of kind of doing a workshop about sober curiosity, um, remanaging our relationship with alcohol, things like that. Um, but it's a pretty deep and personal subject for a lot of people. So I'm not sure if I'm ready or willing to tackle that. But if you hear this and you're like, I feel like that'd be really great. Uh, let me know if that's something that you guys feel like you would really enjoy or want. Um, I'm certainly open to it. Uh, I'm so grateful that you're here. Thank you so much for listening. I just really want to say thank you. I know the podcast uh, has been inconsistent and I'm just so grateful that you're here. I'm working towards uh, true consistency of weekly episodes. Uh, my assistant gets back in a couple of weeks, which will be super helpful, especially as I'm getting ready to welcome a baby, uh, another son. 
Uh, Theodore Rhodes is on his way at the end of March. Um, so I will definitely be doing all I can to get this more consistent. I'm going to have some really, really great guests on uh, this season. Uh, I also have a lot of like uh, some of the the black women that uh, are in my, not only my community, but certainly that have been amazing spiritual teachers for me specifically. I feel like the last couple of seasons when I've had people on has been very white. It's been very white in this corner. Um, and uh, I'm very aware of that. Um, and so I really want to, especially in, in the um, effort of um, offering practical tools and offering tools that have come to me by way of a lot of other people. Um, I think it's just really important. Um, so I will have many, many more um, folks of color on and also just like experiences, life experiences as well. Um, that'll be sharing kind of what they're doing. We also have a ton of like musicians, comedians, teachers, event planners. Like I've just really people who I feel like are super aligned in their purpose and and kind of stumbled their way into it is a lot of what we have coming up for season three. So I'm really excited for this year. I think there's going to be, uh, you know, it's not my intention to try to cater to everyone because we can't do that, but definitely I want um, to be able to represent as many different uh, journeys and experiences and cultures as I'm able to at this point. So I just want to share that that's certainly a focus and a priority for me uh, this next season. And then lastly, uh, in between the interviews, just because, again, with the baby and all these transitions and things like that, until we kind of make it out to the other side around the summer, I'm going to be doing tune-up episodes. So if you follow me on Instagram and you love those videos, thank you so much for being here, number one. Uh, also, the thing with those videos, it's a bummer. They can only be 90 seconds. It's hard to share everything that you possibly would want to share. Um, and so what's great is I'm able to uh, take those ideas and expand on them. So they're going to be like 10, 15-minute episodes. Maybe some will be 20 minutes. Who knows? Um, but just like a quick tune-up, you know? Going on the theme, tune in, tune out, and tune up, baby. So when you just kind of want to like pop on, you're getting ready to like pick up the kids or you're, you know, like going to a date or whatever, and you just kind of like want a little bit of high vibe tune up, uh, tune in. So I'm going to be uh, throwing those up here as well. Way more things coming up. Again, as always, if you have not joined my video, my monthly video feel good newsletter, please do that. You can head over to my website uh, for that or you can go to my Instagram link in bio and sign up. Right now, I promise you, I'm only emailing you once a month. It is a video of kind of like the vibe for the month, what's going on, a little bit of check-in, had some really great feedback from that. Uh, also, my body, mind, and soul workshop that I did at the top of uh, of this year, actually. Um, the replay is going to be repackaged, and that will be on my website. It's like 100 bucks. Oh my gosh, please take advantage. It's I knew that it, I felt like I really had something exciting and, and, and fun to share and being able to do it with live humans. I was like, oh my gosh, this was so great. And having their feedback and because you have the replay, you're also getting their experiences and their insight. So, I mean, $100 well spent. Are you kidding? Uh, you know, like queso at Chili's is up to like 15 bucks. So, you know, you can invest 100 bucks in yourself. Um, it's like the seventh time this week I've referenced Chili's. 
as you do. Um, so I've got that coming out. And then also we're going to start doing virtual circles once a month. This is my version of a show and tell. I think it's insane that five-year-olds get to sit around and show and tell things from their homes. And I think adults should be able to have that opportunity as well. So once a month, uh, we'll get together in, uh, in a virtual circle and I'll kind of uh, lead with a little bit of a theme or you know some energy from the month. And then everybody, depending on how many folks we've got signed up, you guys just like jump on the mic and share, brag about yourself, ask for support, whatever it is that you need. Uh, and it's just like a fun way to like hang out with people and not have to wear pants and brag about yourself. So I hope that you will join us. Uh, guys, if you like this podcast, please leave me a review, share it with somebody, tell your friends about it. Let's take over the world respectfully, but let's do it. All right, you guys, uh, I love you so much. I hope this was helpful. As always, you can DM me. Let me know how, um, you know, did you like this? Was it helpful? What's going on? All right. Uh, as always, uh, this has been the Rachel LaForce show. I'm Rachel LaForce. This is my show. Tune out, tune in. Love you, mean it. Time, weather, and-